If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to another thrilling episode of the Three Red Lights Podcast. I be- <laughs> Eric, you're setting us up for way too much right there. Yeah, yeah. I believe this is episode 132. Uh, I am the host, Eric Redvig. As you just heard, we have the ever-lovely Charles Onyet. <laughs> well, wow, thank you. Nobody has ever, ever described me that way, and probably for very good reasons. Yeah. You guys to impress yeah. today. Yeah, that's like being in, well, you know, we had an all-hands meeting, so, you know. Yeah. I had to wear a striped shirt, so I'm going to go do huh. some uh, Jaeger bombs later and high-five some people. It's going to be awesome. Okay, bro, Montana. Do bros. We, we also have... Charles, uh, though, Charles though tucks <laughs> his, his shirts into his pants, which I find weird. So this, so right, so the shirt, into, into jeans. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, to do the... I'm going to do the casual on the bottom and wear jeans, but I'm going to have, like, a button-up shirt, but then I'm going to tuck it into jeans. I'd never buy that. Well, it's if I don't tuck the shirt in, it will literally be down at my huh. knees. You should buy shirts that fit you. Well, no, because <laughs> no, because I only buy used clothes at uh, least most of the time, so I don't exa- I don't get that much of a range of choice because. So there you go. Regular can, stores are too expensive. As you can hear by the witty banter, we have back with us once again, Mr. Hillary Goldstein. Boo! And for his uh, second that, that, time, that was Hillary booing himself. By second, the way, a second time ever on the Three Lights podcast, we yep. have our newsmaster, Jim Riley. Uh, master, newsmaster, I, I like that. I don't know about that. It doesn't say that on my business card. But, uh, <laughs> it should. You should get new ones then. However, Jim, you are carrying around a wizard staff and a broadsword, so that what? indicates some kind of mastery. All right, no, you're, I'm not. You're not playing. You're, <laughs> what? You're not playing. Along I must with have this. missed the, the the whole. You're not playing along no. with this. Yeah. I and just, I and I've always been part of the uh, the argument in schools that kids really need to dedicate themselves either to sword or sorcery. <laughs> I feel like you know you're just never going to develop your talents if you spread them too widely and do sword and sorcery. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to do. Yeah, both. too yeah. much liberal arts education going on around here. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the magic users, yeah. or is it? I was never, I was I was never a magic everything. user in anything, right? Well, anyway, if you stick around long enough through all of this <laughs> idiocy, I we think will, a magic we'll... user also is like a negative connotation. Like the, just the term "user," it just makes it sound like you're like a magic junkie or well, something. Like like you're like taking shots no, of magic. A magic, yeah. user, a magic abuser would be. 
Anyway, yeah. we at the end of this podcast. Nobody we'll, goes. We'll nobody have... goes. Jim, you're a sword user, <laughs> or you're a brutality user. No, but you're a magic user. It's like you're taking something from magic. I just find it you're like using it and abusing it. Yeah, it just it just seems like hmm. I don't know. It's a severe, I think, term. So a magic utilizer. Yeah, I mean, I it's, think le- it's less catchy. Magic caster. I mean, yeah, I guess magic expert. Work. But I think the real problem is that you can't call them a magician because that's something different. Magician's a guy who pulls bunnies out of hats. Like the, real, the real problem, though, magicians. is that we're talking about magic when, at the end of this podcast, we're going to have an interview about cars, because the guys from Turn 10 are coming back. But cars that are magically in a video game, right? I don't think yeah. it's that much magic. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe we'll ask them that. Will you? No, Maybe. No, we won't, because, we, because we already recorded the interview Just previously, call and we didn't. Call them back. <laughs> We, do, we have we, one more question for you. We do find out the shocking answer of whether or not Forza 3 is sweet or bitter. That's true. So is Forza 3 the uh, great or the greatest racing game? Is that answered? Uh, we didn't ask that. We didn't ask that. No. Okay. All right. well, I guess we'll find out. We're saving that or for not. the next interview. Yeah, because they keep coming. They're up. the only ones we'll come series. back. They're the only ones we'll yeah, come back. I think we need to mention that this is like a momentous occasion. This is the first time we've ever had somebody call back. Don King wouldn't call back. He won't return our calls. Yeah. 50 Cent? Oh. Have you been putting in a lot of calls to Don King? Well, I've been trying to. I don't know his number, <laughs> so I've just been randomly dialing. <laughs> Is this Don King? Nope. Okay. Considering that the first time his manager like threatened me, I don't know. <laughs> Did you get uh, Mickey Rourke? We've, we've not even tried to get oh. Mickey Rourke. Well, why, why, don't we, why don't we have a Mickey Rourke soundboard in here from Rogue Warrior? <laughs> I've been trying to get a soundboard. Not even joking. Wait, have we this talked about? Joke. We need to talk about that game just for like two, Rogue two Warrior. Minutes. Okay, let's talk about games because <laughs> Rogue Warrior deserves to be talked about. Yeah, that game is like magic. It's it's magically awfully terrible. It's awesomely bad. All right. Yeah, awesomely bad. It's, it's so amazingly bad. You can bad. read Jeff Haynes reviewed that one for us. He gave it a one point five out of ten. That is a low score. Yes, it's <laughs> a very not low sure score. That's somewhere in the abysmal range, somewhere down there. Yeah, I think I, that is abysmal. I think that might be the lowest rated game we have on Xbox 360 right now. Before, I think it was like a two Maybe there's a few others in the ones, but uh, it's remember, one of the lowest. Yeah, I remember Lose Your Suit Larry. I think, and that was that was down there. Yeah, I don't you, think that was the bottom. Though. That was that, in a two. That was like um, a two point two. I don't know why yeah. I put a point. And I, I would give this game somewhere in the somewhere in the score of a awesome. Yeah, I think the game is great. I think it's the best thing you could rent for this weekend. So the game's about the game, what, game two, is about two, three hours long. Like two hours long. The game's completely broken. It's like the AI is a mess. It doesn't look very good. Curse words. Filled with bugs. But I have to say, like it, you know. The, you know, when we we have a lot of like high profile games, like no one gathers around when yeah, someone's playing say. Killzone Two, and they're like, "Oh man, Killzone looks so good." Nobody gave a crap when Jeff Haynes was playing Killzone Two eight times, but <laughs> you play Rogue War, and like people gather around and they're just watching and laughing. And look, I understand it's a bad game, but to me, it's a great experience. Yeah, it's totally a B movie game. Like yeah. that's absolutely it's just so what it is. bad. There's some, the games that get really the, generate the most excitement around IGN are the ones that are really amazing. And we're really, everyone's really excited about, or really bad. Basically, that's it. If you if if you see a game that got like a six or a seven, you know it's an okay game. It's not awful, but you're never gonna have crowds around desks for those games. Yeah, I think the only exception. So Tony Hawk Ride is another game where, like, even though everybody was expecting it to be bad, like there was still when Eric was playing it the first day, there was still a line of editors mm-hmm. like waiting for their turn to and try out. Yeah. No. But everybody wanted to at least give it a try. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like that's what Rogue Warrior is. Like everybody I didn't want to give it a try, I just wanted to laugh at it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I wanted to try it. I wanted to see what it was like. Rogue, Rogue, Rogue Warrior was sort of like if if it was like the the equivalent of like a Steven Seagal movie. Like it was just oh, like, yeah yeah like it's just it's just kill sequences the whole time and, and like because you keep doing those knife kills like it's a first yeah. person shooter. But I, as far as I could tell, your gun was sort of useless in that game. And really, the whole <laughs> point was just to run around and try to get behind enemies, which wasn't very difficult because they were never facing the direction you were coming. <laughs> yeah. They were always facing in a direction that would allow you to do a melee kill, and then you would go up and do some insanely violent knife or, you know, some sort of neck break or something like that. With and then with tons of curse words. Yes. <laughs> yeah. the, the nut stab is definitely the most brutal thing. I didn't see the I nut never stab. Saw that oh, you, to, you get up behind a guy, you do it enough times, you'll see it. It's he actually, like, comes up behind a guy, he just thrusts the uh, the <laughs> knife between these legs, the guy doubles over, and then he, like, stabs him again. As if the first time wasn't bad enough in the nuts. Yeah, it's, it's epic. But yeah, and all the, I mean, I don't think we can repeat anything, any of the lines that are said in that game. No, I don't think we can, I, we I can feel repeat like, any of I feel this. like the marketing campaign should, of that should just be an ad where he's just constantly stabbing people and then everything is just bleeped out. They have a marketing campaign for it. I've seen commercials for it recently. Really? There's uh-huh. commercials for that game? Oh, yeah. Uh, they should have probably spent some money in actually developing that game to not be a piece of crap. <laughs> so that game, uh, I saw it, was this like two or three years ago? But it was a uh, it was a zombie game. There they ended. It was a studio named Zombie. They ended up getting pulled off the game, and the game got started over. And then it was given to who was it given to? Rebellion. Rebellion. Yeah. And I don't think they had much uh, development time on it, just because it it was actually scrapped and started over, and then came out. So it's kind of that one just kind of went through development hell. Yeah, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like a finished product. It also. It, it almost seems sort of an excuse to feature a, a soundboard of ridiculous Mickey Rourke quotes. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically just a soundboard. Well, that's, that's all you're doing. It's based it's just... off of uh, <laughs> a real person, Dick Marcinko, yes. who's a Navy SEAL. So those are apparently lines he delivered. <laughs> then they hired Mickey Rourke to go in and read those lines. But yeah, but the, but the motivation for playing through the game, it's like if it's you just had an internet soundboard up in front of you, except instead of just clicking on it with a mouse, you have to run up to guys and stab yeah. them. One of, the, one, of the, <laughs> one of the few clean lines in the game, which is also one of my favorites, is like, he'll kill somebody and he says, Reagan said hi. <laughs> it's like, that's the game. The game thinks that it's 1985, and it's so funny. It's a perfect time capsule for, for the <laughs> sentimentality of that, of that era. Or, or not so much. So what other games do we have? Since we last uh, this done, uh, Saboteur. Saboteur. I don't. None of us played much of that. I didn't play that. Nope. I played a bit of it. Mm, it's okay. It's, you can uh, punch it's people through walls, which is good. Which is I probably not it. intended, but it's hilarious. And you can also punch cows yes. into bits. Yes. What? Yeah. What? I saw that. Yeah. That part, to a cow. And that part is definitely intentional. It well, Yeah. <laughs> I think they mostly put that in there for when they get hit by cars. Yeah. But they. But it's kind of just the effect when a cow dies. So. Uh, Walk up to a cow in a field and do a heavy punch on it, and it will explode into chunks of cow with ribs and nonsense. Yeah, that's basically the kind of stuff I was seeing that game was like, uh, well, Dave was playing it for review, and I remember him just going up to NPCs who were sitting on benches and just winding up and slamming them in the face, and then they'd bas- like the bench would break, and then they just kind of topple over on it, and then within like two seconds, the bench would disappear, so yeah. it's no longer there anymore, so then the NPC would further tumble onto the ground. And that made me laugh a few times. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty good for punching NPCs in the face. Yeah. It's, it's an it's an okay game, but yeah. it's sort of the problem with pandemic games. Outside of Full Spectrum Warrior, which is still their best game, um, like all their open world games, mercenary games, they're all the same. It's like a cool idea, and it's got some moments where it's really fun, but it's like the AI is bad, and there's way too many bugs. 
It's not the not the polish. Yeah, and I think the real problem with that game is that it looks it looks really really cool when it's black and white. So the the way they do it, it's you're in occupied uh, France in Paris, and uh, so which contains lots of naked boobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, so where like, were those? I didn't see any of those. Oh, there are. Oh, oh there are everywhere. Yeah, your, head, the... your headquarters is uh, Bordello. So. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so it's like when it's in, when it's like kind of like Nazi controlled. It's black and white, and there's little flashes of colors like, you know, street like street lamps and stuff like that have this like kind of cool yellow effect to them, and blood kind of really shows up, and it looks really cool. But your reward for chasing the Nazis out of an area is that it turns colorized, and in color, Doesn't it's just like bigger. a bland, boring looking mm-hmm. game. So that's kind of sucks that it's like, yay, I did something good. Oh, the game is no longer interesting looking. Mm. So is it the Pleasantville of gaming? Oh. oh I don't know. Pleasantville is kind of boring. Had cool colors, though. There's also, uh, <laughs> coming out soon, is Darksiders. And Hillary, you played a little bit of that one. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I played through it. I'm only allowed to talk about the first half of playing through it, though. How's the first half? It's pretty good. Um, and Charles has also played through the first half, so he can also talk about it. But I, I like it. Um, I think the thing that's interesting for me, at least, was... You know, you start playing it, and maybe, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half in, I mean, it just feels like a God of War clone. And you're just kind of doing, like, hack and slash, and you're like, okay, this is this is, this is is not bad, but, you know, uh, you think that's what the whole game is going to be. And then they're like, no, now you get to a dungeon, and the game is all about solving puzzles. And then it's like Legend of Zelda type of game. And then it's mixing God of War elements and Zelda elements. I'm not saying it's to the quality of either of those. I'm just saying those are easily the games that it's influenced by. But then you've got the two of them together. Then you get to a segment where you're on... A flying horse and suddenly it's Panzer Dragoon. Yeah. And again, that was, I'm not that sa- was really weird. I was yeah. like, wow, okay, so this is basically God of War meets Zelda. And then I got on that dragon I was like, wait a minute, I'm doing an on-rails like <laughs> well, multiple the target selection shooter. God of War 2 with the Pegasus. Yeah. Uh, this is, but this is completely like Panzer because it's like you actually hold down the trigger and you Lock sweep on. over enemies and then let go and you know it fires a bunch of a volley of uh, attacks. Lasers? Yeah. Actually, but it's like, they but are kind of lasers. Dragon but lasers? They're like demon lasers. Yeah, but that's the game. The game just keeps... We'll add different little elements more and more, and I'm not sure how many different pieces of gear we can necessarily talk about, but it's like the one thing that I found about the game that I can say through the first half, at least, is that it, it does find a way to keep refreshing it. You know what I mean? I might not do everything well, but it's never like... At the minute that you start thinking like, ah... Uh, more grinding against enemies, then they introduce something new. And, you know, they just keep stacking these things on top of each other, which I do think at least keeps, like, a variety throughout all the, the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, from I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a Zelda-style progression, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, you, you go to dungeons, and you, you know, get the dungeon item in that dungeon, which is, you know... I'd ver- like to catch a fairy. Various things that well, you even get like like you know Zelda's like jars, or, like empty jars mm-hmm. that you had that you could put milk or, or fairies in or whatever. They have uh, crystals that you can fill with like health oh, well. uh, regeneration stuff. So you don't really ever need them in the game, though. Yeah, I mean, and there's also treasure chests that yep. you know you find in dungeons. You find you actually find it makes dungeon Zelda maps. Noise. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, like you find dungeon maps and like uh, compass. What you know, th- type you, of thing. And they're you just, find a compass, I mean, just, just like it's not, it's not a compass. Just just like it, in Zelda, where you collect like pieces of a heart that once it's full up, you gain like extra health. The exact same thing. You you collect pieces of a skull, I guess, or whatever, and you collect four or five pieces, and then you get like an extra bar on your life. So yeah, and I mean, and later into the game, which I can't talk about, but anyone who's but played is going to. Well, no, anyone that's played Ocarina of Time will probably laugh. Just saying. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of. Uh, 
heavy Zelda influence. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's very heavily influenced by Zelda. But it's sure. good. I mean, it's it's kind of nice because it's this game comes out on the fifth, and then Bayonetta comes out at the beginning of the year, which we've played some of, and you know, Mass Effect two, which we're seeing again very soon, looks yeah. amazing. I mean, to think January to have that, we have Army of Two, which seems like it's gonna be okay if you like the first game is in, within the first couple months as uh, well. Battlefield will be the first couple days of February. Yeah, yeah. That, that's Bad Company too. That's yeah. not yeah. an XBLA thing. With, yeah. Right. Like but, he, but you just look at like the first whatever 35 days of the year I mean I think it's going to be pretty yeah. solid oh, it's ridiculous. March is getting insane yeah. With the oh yeah March oh yeah is yeah, it's just really the first five months of the year just seem like they're going to be really packed with stuff. I don't think there's going to be a ton of stuff sliding. I think some people are thinking there's going to be games getting pushed back. I don't think so. I, as I have a feeling there's a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't been announced that's all coming out in the fall. Well, I think a lot of 360 games got delayed out of this year, and then mm-hmm. some that didn't get delayed out of this year, they kind of scrambled to get out within the first half of next year before Natal because Microsoft is going to be pushing that so hard well, at the end Halo, of next year. I think. And Halo, that... Real, and and then there's and also Fable. probably going to be another Call of Duty that you know you no, there oh is. boy <laughs> of course there's going to be uh, it really the end of next year is re- is really crowded yeah in yeah. terms in terms of what's going to be marketed it, but, it, but the beginning is too it's I mean it's going to be a crazy year yeah, yeah and it's all core games coming out in in the first part and I'm actually I'm getting steadily more excited for uh, Final Fantasy with 13 which I, I don't know if anyone is like super pumped about but yeah that is coming out in really early March uh, Jim so, just flew over to Japan so he could read Famitsu yep yep oh you flew to Japan yeah. nice wow that was quick what, what did you was learn from Famitsu um, <clears throat> Oh man, put me on the spot here. Uh, it's a very credible magazine with very high uh, journalistic integrity. And, and what did they give Final Fantasy? <laughs> uh, they gave it a thirty-nine out of forty. Apparently, not perfect. What? You know, which is know. which is one point lower than Bayonetta, correct? Yep. So everyone should be playing Bayonetta this uh, this year, and so cancel your pre-orders. Cancel your pre-orders. Which I think, though, <laughs> if you look at the games and, and how high they reviewed them, it does seem like Ryan Clements should be the editor in chief of Famitsu. Right? <laughs> yeah, it really does. <laughs> But but I mean so Final Fantasy twelve and I mean I've I've played a lot of the Final Fantasies I've I've always enjoyed that that series and twelve I just I really disliked that game I strongly I just very strongly disliked that game for for various reasons I just didn't I didn't like it's the progression the for me. I didn't like the characters yeah. I didn't like the combat I did I just so I did, much I didn't of even that like game the way I didn't the like the story was presented in the first few hours like I just nothing grabbed me about that game yeah and it's like I know I I can see how you can say that that game was a and it was a big change for for Final Fantasy oh, yeah. just in terms of, of how it's how how the combat actually flows and how it works, but it's not if you've played a lot of MMOs and you're like, why am I playing this in a single player environment? Exactly. Yeah. This is so boring. So, well, because they were, <laughs> it's it's a combat system that was created out of the problems of doing a massively multiplayer game. Right. So you, there, are, you can't do something action based when you know the MMO was first invented and you had all these people. You can't do real time combat and turn based doesn't really work all that well. And so they invented this pseudo thing. That, that works really well in MMOs because people have time to queue things up and talk with each other. And then you start putting it into a single-player game, and none of it makes sense because it was invented for an MMO. So it, it just doesn't make sense because you can do other things in a single-player game. Yeah, it, it just it really didn't fit for me, and I... I, I you know, I just did not have a good time with it. But but thirteen looks like it might be uh, moving in in more of a direction that that appeals to me. So I believe though you can only control one person at a time. Also in thirteen, right? I, I was reading. I, I am on. Previews. I am on thirteen media blackout yeah. at this point. Yeah. That I've been I've reading, just not been reading anything. Oh, you've read Ryan Clement's previews? Yeah. I've, so have you pre-ordered <laughs> seventeen copies of the game? Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that he was talking about that he was a little bit worried about was oh, okay. that you only control one person. 
Gotcha. And then hmm. that's how it works, which was the same well, as Final I, Fantasy XII. I guess we're on the videos I've seen where you just select attacks for all the characters. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's one person at yeah. a time, and you swip, swap between. So I'm gonna say this too. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been following mm-hmm. it a lot. There, I yeah. mean, there there are a lot of games that I think like are easy for us to identify. Like we talk about Mass Effect. I think everybody's excited now for Splinter Cell. I think that's gonna look really good. Yeah. Final um, Fantasy. You know, except there's a ton of games, but I feel like I think there are games that um, we even in the company like kind of go like eh whatever. But I think Lost Planet Two could still be really awesome. Okay. Because I thought that game was very close to being a great game. The first one, honestly, the not being able to run and not being able to look up, we're just not being able to aim up. We're just stupid, and they, yeah. they added those. And it's like as a four-player co-op game, I think that game could end up being like a real surprise because I think people have sort of just disregarded it. But I think that game could be really good. See, I, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to that because I did, I was not a big fan of Lost Planet. Just and and I, including the things you said, but also the the way the character moved, like the movement right. system and how he reacted to explosive elements. Which may seem like overly specific, but you get hit with rockets in that game and stuff that knocks you well, over. Especially in multiplayer, it's really frustrating. Especially in multiplayer, it gets yeah. really frustrating because you can't get back up until you go through this insanely long animation sequence until your character's finally back on his feet. And then it's like, alright, I'm going to look around, I can't look everywhere that I want to, and then you're knocked over again. And I don't know, that just really, that killed a lot of the, the excitement and the energy of the game for me. Because, I mean, it is supposed to be just a you know mm-hmm. completely insane game where you blow up aliens basically looks pretty I, I, it think the, very pretty. I think the co-op stuff is a pretty has some pretty cool ideas. So I like the idea of so you know the the big thing in the first game was that you were constantly freezing, so you're losing the tang your tang energy. <laughs> I think it's cool that there's yeah. like the idea that you can basically fire off tang into like a co-op friend to actually help them out. Like there's some kind of cool like where everybody's like a medic on in there, the, on the team. There's some cool stuff there. And then I when I played it in uh, Tokyo, I played two levels. One of them was really cool. It was just like this fighting crazy monster things running around typical exactly what you'd expect expect from lost planet 2 the second level though was this train level where you have four players and you're all trying to progress down this linear path on two uh parallel trains if you fall off of the trains you die and it still has the stumble mechanic so if you get hit by a rocket, you stumble off the train and you die. Uh, and the that, co- the, that's gonna really bother me. The thing, and the thing with the co-op mechanics in this game is that there is like a certain amount of life pool. It's like the tang or whatever. And if it runs out and anybody dies, everybody loses and the level resets. And if you have some jerk who sucks at the game or someone who just gets unlucky and gets knocked off the train and they die, the whole level resets. I tried it like three times and then I said, screw this. This level sucks. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> All right, well, I'm done. I'm no longer interested in this game. No, Thanks. The, so I had one really awesome level that I had a lot of fun with, and I hope there's really just that one train level <laughs> and nothing else like that in so, Lost Planet 2. So better or worse than Uncharted's train level? Uh, I'm actually just about to start the Uncharted 2 yeah. train level. It's a pretty good train level. I hear good things about yeah, it. I it got is. to like getting on the train, and it's then I. Good. I'm yeah. going, I'm going, I There's a lot of good stuff in Uncharted too, unless you listen to Jim. Who what? Is I haven't hater. played it yet. Oh no, but you talk okay. bad about it, and then they're like, "Oh, I didn't play it." You're like, uh. it's not my game of the year. I mean, I haven't played it yet, but I know it's not game of the year. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. I did do that. Speaking of Capcom, though, just to switch gears, what's uh, Dead Rising Two? Anything that's going to come out? <laughs> towards, towards the beginning of the summer, I think probably right. right, like probably like a June. Sometime next year. Yeah. Well, yeah. But um, I don't know. That one I'm probably least excited for. Just everything I've heard from people who have seen it just 
seems like they took all the stuff you loved about the first game and were just like, mm, let's not build on that. Let's I just love try the something first different. game. I love that game. I love the first I love game. It too. First game is totally unique. It's like the yeah. only thing that annoyed me at the first game is there was a bug at the end, and I didn't get to do the extended yeah, save sequence. room. I think was the thing that annoyed everybody. Yeah, I didn't really care about that. Yeah, I didn't like. What are you talking about, Eric? Well, I so then the, you're supposed to go to like the helicopter pad, and it says go right. there. I don't know if you're supposed to stand in a certain spot, but I went to the helicopter pad. Helicopter landed, and I was like, "Cool, I did it." And then it just went to the next cutscene. It just like cut out of it and said, "I didn't get there in time." Like the helicopter was just finishing landing, yeah. and it was like, "You didn't get there in time." And then it put me to the crappy ending. Oh. And then it, and it saves, and it saves over your thing. And I was like, I'm not playing through the whole game again to <laughs> right. get that. You can beat it in like three hours, though, so it's not. Yeah, but I didn't. Because I, I got really annoyed because I got the helicopter in time. I just stood in the center of the helipad and left my controller there, and then I did something. Yeah, I was that's, standing that's right there. That's actually exactly what I did. I was like, wait, I'm supposed to no stand here for two hours? And I'm like, all right, well, I don't want to miss this chopper. Yeah. I timed it to the last second, so I didn't have to wait. Oh, I just did idea. other stuff. I made it there on time. But yeah, the game bugged out on me, and I got really upset. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I, I guess one of the things I hope they they improve about that game, aside from the the save structure, are the the boss fights. I just remember those yeah. not being so hot. And I uh, love the boss fights; those are fun. And okay, so can I bring up those one are like the wackiest, cre- like the, the craziest the, no, people? They were crazy, but like trying to fight that motorcycle when you're like running around, it's like I don't know. Speak, speaking of sequels that people uh, seem uh, maybe indifferent on, uh, Bioshock Two thoughts, people. I still haven't seen the single player. Um, so. From I, I have played the you single player. Played some, I, I right? played it for preview. I played one level. It's called uh, Ryan Amusements, um, <clears throat> and uh, I mean it seems you know good. I mean it's 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 similar kind of gameplay, but it's they've given you more options for combat. I'm just what I really want to find out, and what I will find out, you know, eventually when I play it, is just that. Um, it, how much of a balance there is between action because you're playing as a big daddy and like the defense sequences you do if you set a little sister onto the ground and they start uh, extracting uh, Adam out of bodies you have to like protect them for a set for a set uh, time while stuff just attacks you and it's like crazy like action oriented in that sequence I'm like wow I don't remember things being this like fast paced and, and action driven in the first game so I don't I, know I don't know how much I mean, exploration there is because that's actually what what I enjoyed a lot about the first game was just exploring this world discovering all well, these yeah, things the discovery to me was the yeah. part that was really interesting because you know it's like they just set the tone in the first game it's like you know you play I mean it's that cliche of always playing a character who has no memory mm-hmm. but like the benefit of that is that you can allow a player to experience things at the same moment that you know is being discovered by the character, and that's how Bioshock One works so well. Is because you come down, you don't know what the hell this place is, and it's like you know you get the the splicer right at the beginning, and you're just freaked out. It's like what is going on? It's like you know I think I think most people have a clear memory of like one like seemingly like not like significant moment, but it's like remember when you get the shotgun and the lights go out. And then everybody attacks you, and it's like the first time you actually get attacked by a bunch of guys. Like I think most people play that game like like vividly remember like that particular moment, and it's like that's the kind of stuff to me that's like really exciting. And I don't see how you replicate that in a second game when you're going back to Rapture. Yeah, and it's like I, I mean I even remember like and the intro sequence to that game was like that was probably one of the yeah. best intro sequences I can I can remember. Um, but yeah, crashing the plane, but then going down and, and meeting the and you see the Big Daddy through the glass for the first time, you're yep. just like. 
what the hell is that? And it's, you know, you, you see the interaction and... Well, you see the first kill, too, remember, when he drills the guy and everything like uh, that, yeah, I mean... Yeah, and he's, like, right there next to the window, and it's like, you're shaking at it, and you feel, you feel frightened, and you're like, where, yeah. where am I right now? Like, this is, yeah. this is so weird. Like, I'm not, I'm not used to this at all. And then in the second one, you see a big daddy, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's big daddy. I have to, uh, you know, kill him to get the little sister. I already know all that. It's yeah. like, I don't, have to, I don't have to find that out. I don't have to discover that. I know, I know the rules of this world and how it operates. So... I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm hoping that it 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 sort of instills in in people who play it like that sense of like of wonder, basically of like I don't know what this place is, but we shall see. Yes, we shall see. Um, God of War three. That's another big one. March. <laughs> I'm excited about that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's gonna be amazing. I love I love I liked God of War one, but I love God of War two. I like God of War one better than two. You and Mark Something, Ryan need to just get in the room together and make out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I like the first one too. So I can join in your makeout. Well, yeah, I don't trust anything you say, Jim. Three way. You think? Yeah, you think Taco Bell is like a great place to take a date? I'm not saying God of War Two is bad. I just think I like like the first one better. You're slightly different than Mike Ryan, who I think actually does not like God of War Two. No, I sat down. I sat down, and uh, I remember I was just sitting on the floor because at that point I had mostly been playing with wireless controllers forever. But then I was playing on PS2, and so I had to like sit there with. My couch wasn't close enough. I was like sitting on the floor, and I just played straight through the whole thing over a weekend. Yeah, that game was really good. Um, should we mention that the uh, the site relaunched? Oh yeah, oh yeah, hey, Yay! site relaunching. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a there's a fancy new skin on the site. So if you're listening to this through iTunes or whatever, and you want to see what it looks like, you can go over to IGN and then look at it and then complain mm. to us. <laughs> and and it's great that we have Jim here because Jim. Here's the crazy. Jim writes more stories than anyone because he is—he's the editor who focuses on uh, news. And we're also—we're all lazy. And, everyone, yeah, and, we he, don't and write he's anything. new, so we make I him do get, it. I just get bored a lot. So, <laughs> so do something. Jim publishes tons of articles, and in the past, very few of them <laughs> would ever get seen because our site design before was focused on uh, all the big stuff that we wanted to highlight. So we do big reviews, big features, and all that stuff. And now we have this fancy blog roll type thing, uh, where a lot of—you'll be able to see a lot more of Jim's stuff. Uh, it'll cycle through quickly because you write so much, but you'll get to see it. Yeah, I'll just like, have to do less work then, I suppose. That's sounds about right. You. All right. <laughs> Join the crowd. <laughs> yeah, 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 we, we actually just sit in this room all day. We never, we never leave. Yeah. I don't have a, a strong opinion yet on the web. You know, the redesign. I'm still, still waiting to see how that works out. What, what it's, only, it, it's only been one day. So what, if, you know, what if it was sponsored by McDonald's? Uh, no, no, it's it's more about... And you, got, and you got the McDonald's. I guess, yeah, but like the... What if the functionality of the site was there was a giant McDonald's ad, and when you clicked on it, a Whopper just came out of your computer? Oh, I would not want that. That would be disgusting. What, computer burgers? It's DLC for fast food. It's like Dippin' Dots. It's the food of the future. Clayman actually brought me In-N-Out Burger before I came in here, so... So that's why you so happy just happy. Uh, no, but only it's only one day, so I'm still still warming up to it. Uh, we'll see how it works out. But I mean, I the, the look of the site has changed. Well, the the first impression there, I mean, like it's it's different. Being able to play videos right on the page, I love that. Yeah, that's definitely a better feature. I'm I'm a fan of not having to change which window I'm on to watch a video. So which is should, one of the coolest new IGN features. Should we talk about GOTY stuff? Do you guys want to talk about that, or is that still? Um, we can talk uh, about when it's coming. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> though. Yeah, I, have, I have to go be important. Oh, okay. So I've oh, got a meeting right. to go to. Fine. You guys may continue this. And then somehow it'll magically reappear here for an interview. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. Well, I mean, you'll be done with, with your important stuff by then. That's true. Yep. Basically, I have to take a really big poop. <laughs>
<laughs> Bye, Hillary. Yeah. And, and we've got, you know, about maybe 10 minutes left before iTunes or uh, GarageBand is just going to crash on us. Oh, so. nice. So maybe we shouldn't talk about uh, GOTY stuff. I was also going to suggest talking about Borderlands or Achievements. What people uh, thought of achievements, since there have been a lot of achievement talk on the site, yeah, so and lots of angry reader feedback. Greg Miller wrote an editorial saying that trophies are great and achievements are dumb, and Charles wrote a rebuttal that uh, both, both achievements and trophies are dumb. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure at some point we could get uh, GameSpy's uh, Will Tuttle to write a, a, probably a very in-depth piece about the addiction to achievements, yeah, since he has about 75,000 achievements. Yeah, that would be a 30,000-word article. Yeah be extremely in-depth but i mean i mean they are cool like i mean just you know i don't want to they not all aspects of them suck it's just that that was the title of the story yeah. so i think um, i just think it takes away from like if it, i just i hate feeling disappointed if i play something like like bioshock for instance because we've already been talking about that i play through bioshock it's like it's i mean it's my number one game of of the of the current generation of consoles mm -hmm. And then at the end, I was like, wow, that was an absolutely incredible experience. But now I'm slightly disappointed because I didn't unlock all the achievements. Like, I hate that that is well, part, part of my gaming experience. You have to go now. back and play through it again. I, I don't, I don't uh, have to. Yeah, well, I, did, I, mean, I did, though. But the, thing, I, <laughs> the thing for me with achievements is I, I don't mind doing them if they're like, you know, beat the game on a certain difficulty, beat the game, you know, like for Bioshock, either saving all the sisters or not. Like, that's something I'll probably do anyway just to do it. Just to see that part of the game, right? Um, but stuff that's like online multiplayer stuff, I would I'd never do. Uh, like stuff like, well, I I, re I did the key to the city for GTA recently to get 100%, but I didn't do that anyway. Cause I like getting 100% in the game. So stuff that's just very outrageous, stuff I wouldn't would never want to sit down to do. I, I rarely ever consider doing. But that's fine. I mean, I don't know. You don't have to do it. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's optional. Right. Well, Some people get addicted to it, and they start playing really crappy games like Will Tuttle. <laughs> yeah, I just, and it also I, bothers me, the idea that, you know, people, people's gaming experience is less because they're playing a game that they want to play because they like the gameplay, because they like the, like the ty types of systems that are at work within that game, and more because, oh, it has easy achievements, so I'm going to play that. Or, you know, and that's, I mean, people can do that, that's fine, but it's I think... If they I, want to waste their time, I think that time. sucks that that's the primary motivation to play, is that, is, is you know, some, but, but some meta reward system. But here's the thing, is it your primary reason? No. Well, then who cares? Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the, uh, the coolest part about achievements now, though, is that some of them unlock little avatar awards. Right. So that now, is interesting because it actually does to give number, you something. In addition to a number, which is just a number, now you get a little something to show off, you know? And if they ever make some cool Avatar games they, where you actually have the guy going around with other people, you know, maybe they'll see that you have, like, you know, the uh, uh, Left 4 Dead 2 shirt. Because that's one of the things, isn't it, that you can unlock? You know, you know what? I and, bet th and they're like, wow, he got that achievement. You know, I know he did. I know he's good at Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah, and you know what I bet has to happen at some point, especially with Natal coming out, is some kind of Microsoft Wii Sports or some, mm -hmm. something that's multiplayer, that's yep. online enabled so that you can see everyone else competing in these you know, silly little games where you wave your hands around and stuff that are, that are really simple, but the main point is so that you can see everyone's avatar interacting yeah. and like playing... I mean, they have to do a tennis game yeah. or, and you know, something like that where you have multiple people on a field of play. So that, yeah, see, I think that's cool because then if you, if you go and you hop into like a, a random game against somebody you don't know, you're playing tennis, you know, 
that's Hall Tennis. And you get put, paired up against someone else, and you see that they have, like, the, I don't know, Gears of War chainsaw or something, you know, <laughs> if that ever existed. Some, some, they have some cool little avatar thing. You know, then all of a sudden you have something in common with them, maybe. You can actually strike up a conversation. You're not just like, huh, you suck, and insert expletive here. <laughs> no, that's still going to happen. <laughs> that, that will still happen, but you could actually maybe get this random connection with someone that you would otherwise either not talk to or just insult. Yeah, and there'll be a hardcore mode where there's no mini-map. <laughs> yeah. For tennis. Just saying. Okay, well, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if we want to get to reader mail. Should we do some we quick have, reader mail? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably do that. Mm-hmm. I do like joke achievements, though. The joke achievements can be kind of funny. That's good. Except when they make fun of if you just did something really terrible in the game and then the achievement unlocks. I love and you're like, that. oh yeah. no. No, I like, love that. The worst are like zero point achievements. And yeah. It's like, damn it. To lose five <laughs> matches in a row. Yeah. Like, oh. yeah, those aren't so good. Uh, Chester Partridge writes in, Sup noops. The other day I was poning at MW2 when I realized it is the same as Pokemon. Think about it, Nancy. The levels are trainer badges and unlocks are Pokemon. M16 with grenades and holographic is totally Charizard. Did Bob Bowling ever admit to being a wimp and loving Pokemons? Representing below Buffalo. Oh, nice. Representing Buffalo. Yep. About to go back there for the holidays. So apparently... Uh, M16 with grenades is totally charged. Is that where you're, that where you're from, Charles? Uh, that, yeah, that, my family lives in around oh. Buffalo. So, I've been to the Buffalo. I've been to the area. Yeah, there's the. I thought about actually going to cold. school there, but I, I, d- I decided against it. So college. Yeah, our our past did not. Elementary cross. school. You, you, <laughs> were you were you scouting elementary schools? Yes. Uh, I think I think maybe Buffalo, but I don't know. They got a pretty good uh, one to five program. I'm not so sure about their uh, middle schools. Though. Their lunch, their cafeteria, the pizza isn't very good. So I found a quarter in mine once. What's the question? In, in the dough. Yeah, moving on. That's I don't even like Activision. So we're not going to answer that one. Well, uh, also Modern Warfare is not like Pokemon, <laughs> although it does have role playing thing elements that you yeah, can. Yeah, it's got RPG it, elements. It has unlock systems, but yep. that's a, that's about it. Until my until my gun evolves into something with like I don't know wings and turns into a dragon, then mm-hmm. yeah, I don't buy that. So uh, Gregory Puglio says, "Dear Charles, if I were to create a restaurant, my menu would include the Agnette omelette. Oh man, it would contain Canadian bacon, maple syrup, sewer rat, which tastes like pumpkin pie, and random encounters of mushrooms that you cannot skip. <laughs> random encounters." That is all. Thanks for making an awesome podcast. It keeps me laughing while driving to work. That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good omelet. Yeah. <laughs> Random encounters. Damn it! Another mushroom. Can't God, skip it. These are happening way too frequently. I don't know why there has to be a sewer rat in there. I guess that's the early game encounter monster. Yep. I don't think a lot of people would buy that if there's a rat in it, and it's as advertised. Yeah. Now with rats. That would have to be a stealth rat. Uh. Uh, Lollercopter writes in, What's up, Three Red Lights? My name's Barney. I love the podcast. Quick question, what is everyone's favorite RPG of all time? And what was you guys' favorite game of the best three years? Don't of say, past, mo- don't say MW2 years? or I will get mad. Modern Warfare 2? Of the best three years. Of oh, the best three years. It says, of, what's of what? you guys' of, favorite game of the best three years? Best three of, years? of the all, all entirety of human existence? Of what, of which were the best? What are the best three years? I think we have to figure that out first. Probably... I don't know, like one through three. I mean, that's that's when like the most exciting stuff was happening because like you know the universe was being created. 
I mean, are we going through for Earth? The most Earth exciting stuff happened I mean, within like, like the first couple. Yeah, so, like, well, actually, I don't even know. The, I mean, is like, it nanoseconds? Is, is that how the it most goes? interesting stuff happened? You know, is it even further than that though? I don't know what goes Such further than nano. Pico? Is it pico? Yeah. Would it be picoseconds? I don't know either. What are we talking about? <laughs> Big Bang. <laughs> what are the most, the most interesting, the best three years? Of what? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I thought he asked what our favorite RPG was. We yeah, sort of does. expanded what, the scope a little that? bit What was that? favorite RPG oh, of all time? Uh, favorite RPG of all time, I would have to say Baldur's Gate 2. Eric? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is a tough question. It all changes right. all the time. Uh, mine is uh, Breath of Fire 3. Breath of Fire 3. Right. Interesting. My, uh, you know, it's definitely the not talk about PlayStation classic RPG. So, like that, like that game. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. I, well, I alternate between Baldur's Gate 2 and, and Planescape Torment. Planescape Torment specifically because that game probably has some of the best writing that I can remember. Like, I actually read every single character tree in that game, and there's so much writing in that game. It's like an encyclopedia for for that world, basically. And it's and a lot. It's just it's so sharply delivered and all like interrelates to itself. There's a lot of there's actually a lot of humor there, which you wouldn't expect in, in that type of game, which just looks so incredibly nerdy. And it is, but it has a very mature type of sensibility about it. Um, but I remember that game much more for the dialogue than, than much else. And so if, if I have to combine like story and interesting characters and just an all-around interesting experience with, with a better combat system, I would have to say Baldur's Gate 2. So that's why I normally say Baldur's Gate 2 when, when asked that question. I'd say the game that got me into RPGs was uh, Dragon Warrior back on the NES. Dragon uh, Dragon Quest Eight is so good. Dragon Quest Eight is so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, but the original the, is the game. It was the very first Dragon, uh, Dragon RPG. Yeah. yeah. Have you tried to go back and play that? Because it's kind of hard. Oh man, I don't know if I, I remember how many steps south of the well you have to yeah. randomly search to find the stupid flute. <laughs> Christ! If you didn't play that game with a guide, which of course everyone had Nintendo Power, so they were going through everything, and yeah. everyone had the map with where. Oh my God! If that game came out today, everyone would just freak out. No, no, you know, no, no, you have to randomly walk this many steps south of a well. Yeah, and just yeah. Search. There's a lot of that games like that, that. That game's called Demon Souls. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly that kind of game. Yeah, but I wonder if, if yeah, we'll ever see another uh, like style of of uh, Dragon Quest game like like eight. I hope so. Since it seems to be going off in another direction, especially with nine, which I yeah. haven't played yet, but yeah, it seems to be more of a a multiplayer focused handheld game, like with MMO style quest progression instead of that. Instead of the more centralized narrative that strings you along, like traditionally, as those yeah. types of games do, I don't know. We'll and see. When I hear that theme song, man, I get I get giddy, I get smiles on my face. I just start bawling all over the place. Good stuff. So many tears and vomit. I don't know so, why there'd be vomit. So. He's a, he just cries metal slimes though. <laughs> metal slimes. <laughs> so many XP. How heavy are metal slimes? So many would that, XP. Would that do like damage to the floor? Would that cause like? I would assume. I mean, they're they're pretty rare though. So just yeah, like they, your tears. And, and they and they uh, <laughs> they flee pretty quickly. So that's true. That's why you have to be nice to them. You can't hit them, otherwise they get out of there. So much XP though. Oh my so god, so much XP. I could never get higher than like level fifty in that game because like once you hit a certain point, it's like impossible to get to ninety nine unless you grind for like ever. Yeah. If it, it, well, I mean, and that that was the traditional model. Yeah, that, that game right? is not generous with its XP. Certainly. Um, we got time for like one or two more, I think. Uh, Steve Landry says, Hello, chaps. My name is Steve, but you may all call me Steve. I live in Ireland and was wondering which I should buy, Left 4 Dead 2 or Assassin's Creed 2? 
I went to my local game store to ask the clerk this question, but he told me to leave. What? Now I would like your opinion and the handsome Charles Onyetsman opinion. Why would the clerk tell him to leave? <laughs> Hello, sir. I want to give your company money. Get out. Leave. <laughs> well, you should go to the uh, Ireland IGN website, ie.ign.com, which we found out this yesterday, right? It exists. That's Ireland, yeah, is it? It is. You, you followed up on your... No, I just typed it in like with the redesign. It says Ireland. Uh, so, oh, well, we, have a, we have an Irish branch? Yeah. I guess, well, there's the UK branch, and I guess it's subdivided. I, I mean, I guess it doesn't have any new content, I don't think. It's any specific the same. content. It's, it's, it's probably same as the, the UK. What was the question? Uh, Assassin's Creed 2. And what, what or Left 4 Dead 2. Uh, Alright, well, I mean, if you've played Left 4 Dead already... Then you know whether you, you like Left 4 Dead 2 or not. Yeah, if you've, if you've played... A, uh, let's say you've played Assassin, the first Assassin's Creed and Left 4 Dead, which I'm going to assume you, you have, maybe, then Left 4 Dead 2 is going to be very similar to that experience. It's going to be a better experience, but it is going to be more of the same. So if you loved it... You will love it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, don't expect like some kind of revelatory experience. It's just going to be a much better made game with better campaigns. But Assassin's Creed 2 is a totally different from the first. Enormous game. improvement over yeah. the first game, and it does not play the same way. It doesn't have the same progression. It doesn't have the same quest structure. Yeah, quite, it's it's a very different kind of game. So, do you still jump miles into haystacks? Is that except yes. for the, okay. those are still in there for still some the reason. Haystacks. Need to, I was always baffled when I see that. Like, that's impossible. You can never live from that. <laughs> but well, nobody can find that much either. Every, yeah, everything about Assassin's Creed is impossible. They added swimming to the game, but you have like a coat of armor. I don't care who you are. Jump into an ocean with a coat of armor on and see how long you can swim. Yeah, I got, actually, going back to something we were talking about earlier, since I can't talk about the, the first part of Darksiders, I don't understand how War can swim in that game. That guy has so much equipment. And it's like it's, it's, it's a speed <laughs> game. You had to, you know... Get rid of reality for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, so. I know, I know. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. It's yeah. just kind of funny when you first do it. I go. I, I really, I really like Assassin's Creed too. I would go with Left 4 Dead too because I don't like Ubisoft either. So you don't like anyone. Yeah, do you, Jim what, likes, what do you like? Spaghettios, <laughs> In and Out, Bud Light, and what? Clockwork Orange. I, I like, uh, I like Capcom. I'm a fan of Capcom. Capcom. Okay. Uh, but enough about me. Let's go to the next question. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, yeah, I'm running low on time here. Um, you, put, you have such a waste of paper, Eric. Look at all those emails you're burning out. You're just going to throw them all away. I know. I, I, was need, I can use those Kleenexes later. Oh, that would really be rough on the nose. Yeah, my face is all scratched up. It's like the like the, the like like your grade school paper dispenser in your bathroom. It's like it's that, that, it's that so brown <laughs> paper that's basically, it's basically paper. It's like this is not. It's just wax paper. <laughs> just like this isn't good for me. And they oh, tell you to shut up. All right. Uh... Daylene Beaumont says, TRL, heart. I've been looking through Rare's Xbox games, and I have to say, it's not all that impressive. Let's be honest, PDZ was nothing like it should have been. And although Viva Pinata is a great game, it feels very weak compared to most other Rare games. The only game from Rare that I've really enjoyed this generation is Cameo. So that brings me to the question. Is there any news on a Cameo 2? Last no. I heard it was no. canned. They, rumored yeah, there was, rumored a rumor, there was a rumor that at one point it was in existence, and then it got Microsoft's canned. like, no, you're going to make Natal games. Yeah. So. yeah, I guess the most recent news we've heard is just continual screenshot updates for Perfect Dark XBLA. But that's not even Rare, because that, they farm that out. Okay, well, there you go. Rare's <laughs> working on something. They're working on Natal games. Yeah. So... See, I really like Viva Pinata, though. I thought that, I was, that was a really cool concept. I got super hooked on Viva Pinata. Viva Pinata, uh, the second one, is really kind of like a 1.5. It's not really a true sequel. Yeah, it just kind of fixed what was wrong with the first one. That was Trouble but in not Paradise totally. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that was a really interesting concept. And considering the the cartoony kind of uh, presentation, it was actually extremely disturbing when you, when you considered seriously the, the the behaviors that were going on. Excuse me, amongst pinata. I think that was also kind of one of the uh, the second one was it Trouble in Paradise. What part of the problem I had with that game was it was a better game, but like you were saying with Bioshock Two. Part of the reason that Viva Piñata was so great was that sense of discovery that you got, where you're like, I wonder what happens if I feed this flower to this bumblebee. What, what's going to happen? And something would happen, and you're like, that's awesome. But it wasn't called a bumblebee. Yeah, no. It was called, I don't know, like... What was the, uh, I can't remember. A buzzle gum. A bu- <laughs> the names were so good in that game. Yeah. Or, you know, like, what happens if I take this... Uh, this fly, whatever they were called, and you light it on fire, and it turns into uh, like a firefly type thing. Yeah, it's, like, it, was, it was awesome. It was so cool. It's just like discovering what it was, and all the rules were the same in the second one. And then they added some new stuff, but you're like, I already know all this. I did it all, so it wasn't as exciting. Jim, uh, I played. Thoughts? I never played the full game just the demo. I didn't like the. Uh, I didn't buy it the first time because the the case is different. Or was yep. different, and yeah, it, it, was. it didn't look good on my shelf. So now that case, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to, that case was bad. <laughs> kept, it was. Kept, it was a bad case. I kept trying to find a, like when they revamped the case, but I couldn't find the, a non-greatest or non, uh, non-platinum. Go play version. Trouble in Paradise because you haven't played the first one, and the second one comes in the. Is box. that game on Games on Demand? I don't know. Yeah, probably should be. There's a lot of crap on that. So. Well, that's not a good implication. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll do one last question here, and then we'll be done. Um, all right. Uh, Julian Blackett says, "Hey, TRL team, do you guys think that Bungie will try something new for Halo Reach's multiplayer? And if so, what?" Eric, didn't you write, a con- <laughs> didn't you write something about this? <laughs> do you think they might do a reward system like Call of Duty? Well, Eric, didn't, yeah, you just wrote a story about this. It's up on uh, the site right now, I believe. But uh, this wasn't uh, what I thought they would do. It was just like a what if. So okay. why don't you explain? My I, mine was just a hypothetical question, which was. What if Bungie and Microsoft decided to do the free-to-play model with Halo? Then it would be cheaper. And it would be free. <laughs> so they basically, give, give it, the they're going to monetize free. it online. So you, you'd buy <clears throat> You'd buy things. new maps. You'd right. buy, you know, your recon armor would cost more. All that stuff. I don't think recon armor would probably cost $500. They could charge $500 for it, and people would buy it. Yes. If for the special armor. I don't think they're going to risk uh, that. With no, reach. I don't think so either. It would be, it would be a different Halo title I, if they I would, do that. I would bet all of my money against it. But it would be really interesting if they did because I don't think many games, aside from maybe Call of Duty games, would ever even get played or purchased. Like any other first-person shooters, you'd basically have your hardcore Valve fans would still play Left 4 Dead, everybody would still play Call of Duty, and then there'd be Halo, and that's it. Like every other first-person shooter basically can just wrap up and go home. I don't see anyone playing them. If they were free, you mean? If, if Halo was free. I don't think anyone would play those other games. It would completely turn... Like, flip the whole business model on its head if a, as prominent of a game as Halo went free-to-play. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be really interesting, and I, that does seem something that it, that strikes me as, as, as more of an eventuality, that that, that kind of thing right. would happen. I mean, just that type of business it's, model. It's such you, a risk right now. Like you're looking at, like, guaranteed money. Guaranteed Halo Reach is guaranteed profit. They're making yeah. money on that. Yeah. And then going, well, this business model might make us more money. But it also could blow up on our faces, and I just don't see anyone going. I mean, Bungie is a studio that could surprise everybody and do something like that. But yeah. I don't think we'll see something that drastic until the next console generation. Right? Probably not. You're so. probably right. But I think it would be interesting. Unless they took one of their older, like like what it did with with Quake Live, and basically released 
basically release Quake 3 for free again as a free to play game like if they took something like Halo 2 and were like okay this is now a free to play service yeah. or something that would be awesome and then, that wouldn't be that big of an impact though as no no it wouldn't Halo be as big of an impact but it would be very cool and people would flock to it for sure yeah cuz i mean what you're saying is yeah they put the full production strength behind a Halo game like they want to have that the high, the super high price tag on that, right. so that you know they're bringing in that cash, but, guaranteed money. The, but they're then, bringing in the guaranteed money. Yeah, they'd want to test it out first, I would assume. So and and see how viable it was and what kind of effect it had on on that player base. And then mm-hmm. if there are like pay for incentives, like how many people are actually buying those, and they can look at the numbers behind the scenes. And then if yeah. if that test did actually work, then it might migrate Go out to Halo Four or whatever. Halo Four free to play. That would be insane. Yeah, that would, would be completely nuts. But uh, that would probably work. <laughs> if they announced that, you just have so many, like, you know, there are a lot of uh, high-quality first-person shooters that are just not the massive events that Halo or Call of Duty or Left 4 Dead are, you know, or, or whatever Valve, basically well, whatever half, Valve Everyone's shooter. still waiting on half Exactly. Any Valve shooter. There are a lot of games like that, and I could just see the publishers just, like, pulling the plug on them. Like, well, well we're coming out alongside free Halo. Give up. Stop. <laughs> Cut our losses. The thing is that they're free Halo. <laughs> so, that's a good title. Uh, free Halo's coming out. Oh, God. Yeah. Every, <laughs> oh, God. Everyone delays their titles until the next year. Yeah, until they see how big it is. But right. the thing is that not a lot of people still use online with their with their consoles. So it's but still most, it's growing. Yeah. But uh, I think to maximize, they would have to do some sort of disc-based. Wait, here, but think about this. Like, How many people are connected to Xbox Live right now? It's like uh, 20 million. They're not all gold subscribers, but there's like 20 million. Microsoft could just... Do a, a, a dashboard update where Free Halo appears on your dashboard. And then everyone has it. Now you're like, wow, all right, I guess I'll try that out. It just auto-downloads Free Halo as soon as you turn your 360 on. It's like, there you go, might as well try it out. Yeah, you might as well try it out. It's there. I don't know. I think it would be cool. I think it would be interesting. I don't, think, I don't will, think Halo going will to do be it. the first game to do it. I don't think there'll be something No, else I don't think so either. That will. But it, it would have to take something of that big of a nature, like something as big as Halo to just really totally flip everything. On consoles. Yeah, on consoles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, that market is, is well developed on, on PC, but um, yeah, and it would have to be something from, from Microsoft, because I don't know what kind of actual infrastructure they have to, to back that up, like that kind of experience. Although, yeah. I mean, obviously we know, a lot well, of people... We know Activision is going to do something similar with Call of Duty with Blizzard's ex- expertise on the yeah. online department at some point. I could totally see uh, maybe uh, you get Call of Duty for free, but it costs $5 a month. Yeah, it's just a, a subscription-based exactly. service, yeah. I could totally see that happening. Or, or, or you just get, like, uh, maps before anyone else, or, yeah. you know free stuff before anybody else but well yeah or maybe the free users are only playing on a rotation of five maps whereas everyone else is on like you know 20 all right we're giving them bad ideas now we have to stop with, with uh, i mean it's, gonna, gonna, it's I, going I, to happen I, I think it'll be these cannot be new ideas though i mean they no. have to be this has been discussed to death no, for yeah. years yeah. i would assume like yeah i mean it's it's been thrown around i just i think it's a matter of just getting it to work in within a console interface is, is the and, problem and then there. there's also the it's, it always seems like, you know, their Battlefield Heroes came out, which was a free-to-play Battlefield game. But they always seem to be like, well, the free-to-play market's different. So now it's Battlefield, but it's kind of cartoony. And everyone's like, nah, well, I'll, just, to... I'll just go play Battlefield 1943, and I'll pay 15 bucks for it, and I don't get I get Battlefield like I expect it. Right. Which is why I was saying, like, Halo would be so interesting, because you know if Bungie was doing it, they wouldn't make, like, you know, big head mode Halo for free with, like, ex- <laughs> big head mode. That would be the worst for a shooter. Exactly. <laughs> Headshots oh, everywhere. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't take that into account, though. 
So there'd be no way to tell how to get a headshot. Yeah. I think I'm in the center. I don't know. Aim for I the know. chin. Aim for the chin. But I mean, like a full production, triple A, heavily marketed free play game is basically what the hypothetical question that I was throwing out there. It'll happen. Not the, It'll happen. I'm just not, we're just not sure when. Yeah, and no. I don't even know what sort of marketing campaign you'd really need for that. You just put like a black screen with like, hey, you have it. Free Halo. <laughs> yeah, it's just turn on your Xbox. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> yeah, you get kind of a lot of players there, and I, yep. I'd assume a lot of them would would stick around. I think it'd be really interesting. I think it'll be really fun when it's someday I turn on my console and there's Call of Duty, and I don't have to pay for it. I can play around with it a little while, and it's kind of like a, an extended demo but it's kind of a little bit more than an extended demo. And then if you want to play more, you can pay a little bit or you can pay a lot or whatever. But, you know, sometimes I, I go and buy a game and I end up playing it online for, like, a day, and then I get really angry that I spent 60 bucks on it. That's the thing that, I mean, I know we're kind of getting off track here, but, like, with game prices well, nowadays... I mean, this, this podcast is sort with, getting, of with game prices rising, I would rather pay $40 for, like, a single-player part of a game and then if I want to pay an initial 20 for yeah. single for the multiplayer. Well, and, and that's... Well, not, not with the single-player multiplayer divide, but that's sort of what they're doing with Fable 2, releasing yeah. it in, in episodes, in so that and the first one is free, yeah. so that you can just play that, and then it's like, okay, well... Now I'm hooked. I yeah. gotta go. I gotta go by my. Or you can do what happened in Dragon Age, which is so annoying to me when I was playing through that game. Is I I got to like my party camp the first time, and then there's some NPC sitting there, some random dude. He's got a you know the quest marker over his head. So I'm like, all right, I'll go talk to this guy, and we start up a conversation. And the guy is like, oh hey, by the way, there's this awesome quest you can do over the area. I'm like, sweet, accept. And then I look at my quest log, and it's like premium premium content tab. You know, go to this extern or go to you. Know, this browser to go buy it. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's sitting in my quest log. Like, well, I don't want. I don't want to pay for this content thing sitting in. That's like my problem with the achievements. Like, get that out of my game. I don't yeah. want that in my experience. I don't know. I just I expected something else from from Bioware, but that was pretty disappointing to me, at least, to see that sort but of the thing. the game or just that part? Uh, no, I like the game. Okay. It's just the the way that they've into. Because I remember them saying before, like, oh, it's going to be really like. It, you're not. You're barely going to notice it, or you know, it's not going to be aggravating or something. And that was aggravating. Like <laughs> that was absolutely aggravating to me. I did not want that in my log. After spending 15 minutes talking to you know a, an NPC trying to get them to get stat bonuses and stuff. Anyway. On that note, we are pretty much out of time. I can't believe we didn't talk about Dante's Inferno during our 2010 talk, but oh well. We did not. Dante's, <laughs> Dante's Inferno is coming out in 2010. Anyway, uh, thanks, Jim Riley. Thanks, Charles. You guys are leaving, but I will stick around, and uh, Hillary will magically appear, <laughs> and we will chat with the uh, Turn 10 guys about Forza 3. And once again, we have the very special guests, uh, Dan Greenwald and Che Chow from Turn 10 Studios. Uh, we've lost a couple of our other members from the podcast, though, so it's just Hillary and I here. Uh, thanks for coming on back on the show, guys. You bet. How are you guys doing? Good. We got rid of all the people who don't drive cars. Sweet. <laughs> you, guys, you guys still have bike riders uh, at IGN? Oh, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. Have, we have a lot of people who ride public transportation. That's the one thing I feel is missing from Forza 3, is that there's no muni bus. <laughs> I thought last time we were still... talking about Segways. I thought you guys had a wicked Segway, uh, you know, like motorcycle group in your in your office. I thought we were having this call so you could announce the Segway DLC coming out. Yeah, you're way ahead of me. You know, <laughs> don't, don't steal our thunder, Hillary. Come on. So, uh, what's been going on since last time we talked? Uh, Forza actually came out. Um, how's how do you guys feel from you know the developer perspective? How do you feel the response has been? 
Well, you know, obviously the reviews speak for themselves, but also the sales. I mean, the game's really, really taken off. Um, it's it's done better than we expected, and you know, even in the first you know five weeks, we actually sold uh, five months worth of Forza Two. So, I mean, we are we are way outpacing where we thought we'd be, which is really exciting. When you combine that with the review scores, we just feel really excited about what we've offered such a large number of players. You know, our goal is to make entertainment. And obviously our passion is cars, so we really want to make entertainment that speaks to people's car passion. And it looks like we're reaching a lot of people, and the offering is really getting people excited. Yeah, you know, the one difference I noticed between Forza 2 and Forza 3 is that Forza 2, you didn't come on the Three Red Lights podcast. <laughs> but I noticed a couple of weeks before Forza 3 came out, you were on this po- podcast, and suddenly sales are doing so much better. Everybody has a you know, better perception of the game. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there. So is this the equivalent of like the Colbert bump? You guys, you guys are giving us the the Goldstein bump. I, I think we we're closer to the Oprah bump, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's like Oprah. Yeah. It's the Oprah of gaming. Yeah. If you had actually come into our podcast room and jumped up and down on our couch, I think it's the only thing that could have helped it more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll work on that one. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I'll I'll do it. You know. We'll work on getting a couch for it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's the start. <laughs> and then, uh, so, so, Jeremy, from a from a community standpoint, um, we've been monitoring these servers just because we do it every week, and we've been noticing some crazy numbers of people playing the game, and not just the number of people playing, but sort of how much time they're putting into playing the game. So, um, I think collectively, we have something like you know almost seven million hours, like man hours, put into the game. Um, you know, and I we have over a million some users. So, and They've all put in 64 million sessions online. Wow. Um, and Dan was joking because we tracked that they've collectively driven like 590 million miles. And he was saying that this was like three round trips to the sun and, and back or something like that. So it's people are driving like crazy in this game. Um, so it's not just a storefront, um, you know, auction house phenomenon like you might think with the community. They're actually out there driving their cars. But I assume there is uh, some what of a phenomenon for the storefront. Uh, do you guys have numbers on how much uh, how many how much user generated content has been created for Forza Three? Uh, from a from a photo perspective, so you know, photo mode has been wildly popular, and um, we think we crested uh, over a million photos um, last weekend. So wow, um, yeah. So people are taking pictures like crazy, and um, I think. I have to check the numbers again, but I think storefront, uh, we're probably close to a million uh, just various items as well. So that doesn't include photos, but just other stuff. So um, I think the attach rate on storefront, uh, the attach ratio on storefront is pretty high, too, compared to all of our previous LSP features that we've looked at. Um, All of the stuff that we've announced or that we've put out in Forza 3 have been pretty high. So lots of people have been using it. Um, it, Basically, if they have Xbox Live, they've been going online and playing in that in that area how, how many penis mobiles have you guys had to ban though that's a that, that's a that's a good question actually because with forza 3 we've implemented a whole new system that allows our community to do all the policing so um and we have a pretty sophisticated back end that actually calculates all of that um so we account for like people doing false reporting so we can't they can't grease stuff um so people have been like pretty much doing the policing and uh if you go into the storefront it's surprisingly clean for something that allows anybody to create anything they want. Um, in fact, I often have a hard time finding really bad content. I mean, we, I keep we get searching. all sorts of, like, borderline. <laughs> right. You know, 
borderline content. And um, some of that stuff is debatable, you know, is it, does it fall under, you know, Xbox Live usage rules and stuff like that. But for the most part, there's like none of the egregious stuff that we used to see. So it's, it's been really good. So we talked, uh, Dan talked a little bit about uh, the great response from reviewers, but I've always, I have to imagine that something you've worked that hard on, you, you know, was there a theme in any of the reviews where you just kind of said, like, people are being unfair or unfairly judging one certain part of the game, or were there something that you were surprised so many people, so many critics were so receptive to, towards? Well, I think the biggest thing for me was um, this game's really big. You know, it's not like oh. we've got some linear storyline that you're forced to play through. You can kind of go explore where you want. And I think what was more shocking to me was where different reviewers went. And I think it speaks more about them than it does about the game that some reviewers would really highlight Storefront and UGC, uh, and some reviewers would just talk about driving and physics and cockpit. And, you know, it really was... Uh, and, of course, you know, being a reviewer, often they would sort of speak it as if that's the only opinion in the world, that, oh, yeah, the great thing about this game is it's got this thing in the physics and this thing, and it's like, yeah, that is great, but, you know, there's the Storefront, which you didn't mention in your entire review. Um and then we'd have some reviewers that would talk about the storefront and pushing UGC and not even mention things we're doing with physics or, or different aspects of the number of cars and how big the game is. So uh, overall, when I look across it, I feel like actually the reviewer community has covered everything. But from a review-to-a-review basis, um, there were entire swaths of the game that were just missed by them. And yet we'd still get a good review. So, um, you know, we've just... Uh kind of done our voting for our uh, kind of game of the year stuff, which includes, you know, best racing game of the year as well. Uh, and those results are going to be revealed on the 14th, uh, so I can't tell you right now what happened, but um, I can tell you that, you know, your main competitor in terms of, you know, votes uh, definitely was Need for Speed Shift. And I was just curious if either of you had had a chance to check that out, and, you know, I know it's not the kind of game that's directly comparable to what you're doing with Forza, but, you know, are there things in there that you admired, or you know, what's your general opinion of the competitor? Uh, Need for Speed is a good game. I mean, the franchise has rebooted itself a few times in the last year, uh, last few years, and you know that's always hard for a franchise. But they have the luxury of having been around so long that they can reboot themselves. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think Undercover left a, kind of a bad taste in people's mouths, and I think Shift is a far, far better offering than what Undercover was. Some of the things they're doing with the cockpit, you know, I, I think what they did was really singularly focus on one aspect of the gameplay, which is cockpit. And as a result, you know, their results in cockpit are really nice. Um, so, you know, you give props for what people focus on. Um, and I, I think they did a good job there. Uh, you know, I, in some ways, we've got the luxury of not rebooting, in a sense. We've been towing the same line and just trying to grow and evolve and innovate uh, in our area and what we're trying to do. So, you know, Forza's just gotten so big. Right. So many features, so many different areas that depending on what your bent is, it's an entire game in whatever area you're in. Um, so, you know, it's it's a good racing experience. I don't know what they're going to do next year. And I, I think that's actually the strange position to be in as a company is, um, when you've rebooted and, and, you know, come out with a new game every year, I, it's really hard to forecast, you know, what will Need for Speed's holiday offering be next year? Um, I have no idea. I, mean, I, I can't even imagine what it would be, um, which is a strange place to be when your franchise doesn't have a definition anymore. 
It's good. The but game's going to come point, with an the entire. Uh, is good. The, the game's going to come with an entire car peripheral that you put in your living room and drive. <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to go. The, yeah, it went over with the Nissan Leaf. Exactly. It went over really well with uh, Tony Hawk. I think that really helped that franchise. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I actually, I actually played the game um, quite a bit. Uh, I, I play. I think I played it until like the third tier, um, and it got like and this was like pre-patched. So this was right around the time it came out. And mm-hmm. um, like like Dan was saying, I, you know, being a cockpit fan, it was um, you know they, I think they did a great job. It was very visceral, like they said, and. Um, it just got too hard after a while. Um, I'm a pretty experienced racing gamer, and I think after the second tier, it was the, starting with the third tier, it was just like really hard um, because the cars got faster and the track got some of the track selections got more and more narrow, and the AI was just ruthless. So I think all three of those things combined, um, and plus some of the physics bugs, kind of put me off to the game. I, I should go back and um, install the patch and give it another try. Uh, so one of the things, speaking of um, you know how Forza has had so many accolades, um, but one of the things I noticed at least was that uh, I thought one of the strongest parts of the game that a lot of people didn't really focus on actually is the multiplayer. And I was just curious if um, you know you guys could tell us uh, how that's been going and you know what you think the reception's been, and maybe uh, since the multiplayer is so customizable, like have there been kind of any really surprising modes that people have created that you guys like? Well, you know, we're doing a lot of data gathering right now. So what we've been watching is how people play in private matches and how they play in the public matches, and we're evolving the public matches based on what we gather from both the private and the public. I don't think there's been any one surprise. The whole thing's been a surprise. I mean, um, the amount of people doing drag racing in private matches, we thought there'd be drag racing, but there was more than we expected. But it's not a landslide. So, like, there's no one thing that's, you know... It's all surprising. We basically gave people so much power uh, that they can combine things in all sorts of ways, and there's no way we could have really predicted it. So, you know, really our plan is just to keep evolving it month after month after month based on the data because, yeah, we get people on different communities and different forum sites that post their opinions, but really if you think about, you know, we've sold uh, several million or well over a million copies right now. Um, The people on the forums actually represent a fairly small group and by watching what people actually do when they play at night, um, we can get a pretty clear indication of how the broader group is voting with their actions. Uh, and speaking of adding on stuff, um, what are your plans going forward with downloadable content? Um, you know, we just released the Hot Holidays pack, which is a pretty exciting pack. It's got the, you know, the first time that consumers are going to be able to drive the Ferrari 458. Um, it's got obviously some great other cars like the Panamera and the Lamborghini LP, uh, what is it, 6700 uh, for SV. Um, just some, fa- and of course the Nissan GTR Spec V. Um, fantastic cars in there. And what we're trying to do is just um, kind of put a stake in the ground and say, look, we're going to keep doing DLC. We've got a commitment to doing this so that players are always getting the hottest, newest, coolest cars and the, the ecosystem is always growing. Um, thus far, the response has been really, really good. Um, the first weekend of downloads were were fantastic. So you know, we'll see how it uh, how this one pans out, and we're just going to keep keep making these. Cool. I think uh, we actually got uh, Eric has some questions from our readers for you guys. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Brandon Jensen writes in. Uh, 
Hey, Turn 10 guys, I thought I would ask this question to settle it once and for all. How are you meant to say Forza? I say it Forza, but most people say Forza. I'd usually say that's dumb because there's no T, uh, but there's no T in pizza either. So once and for all, how do you pronounce the name of your game? So it's actually a good question. I, I, uh, <laughs> it's funny because even within our own, our own Microsoft Game Studios organization, people pronounce it differently. Um, I am not a native Italian speaker. As it's been described to me, when you put two consonants together and that sec- second consonant is a Z, that Z becomes a TZ. And thus the two Zs in pizza become a pizza, and the RZ in Forza becomes Forza with a T. Um, but again, as not a native Italian speaker, that's all just kind of word of mouth how I've been told. Cool. All right. Dan, you should just admit that it just drives you nuts when people say Forza. <laughs> it drives me nuts when people say Forza. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of it as Forza. Uh, so, yeah drives me crazy. All right. Uh, Noel K. Uh, wrote in, uh, could you request that the Forza guys put the following car in an expansion pack? The 1929 Ford Model A Phaeton four-door, preferably with white wall tires and a British racing green option. <laughs> My dad restored one of these back in the day, and it would be cool to see him driving it around the Nürburgring. Also, given that the game includes some Australian stock cars, are there any plans to bring some Australian tracks as part of an expansion? Uh, right now, we're we're focusing mostly on cars for DLC. Um, we're trying to get that kind of up and running. So that's that's really where our main focus is, as far as tracks versus cars. As far as one car versus another, uh, you know, you 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 probably wouldn't be surprised how often I get that request. Not for that specific car, but for a car that, um, you know. I don't know, maybe a few thousand people in the world are so crazy about, and the rest of the world's never heard of. Um, I don't know. I, I think it really speaks to the passion that people have for cars, and it's actually one thing Forza does a great job of, that we've got so many cars that speak to so many people. But it also shows how hard it is to really get everybody's individual passion, because it's based on your personal experience. And depending on where you grew up and what experience you had, man, those five cars that really speak to you can be completely unique. Yeah, but yeah, I, you know, I think I think there's something to that, though. I think maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe we should just have a poll of like, here's like a ton of cars and just see what people want. You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, I think that would be a good it. way to go. I mean, a big thing, a big part of Turn Ten is always listening to the community, and um, you know, the community is, as I mentioned with the multiplayer, is not always the people on the forums. Often, it's what people kind of do with their actions. But, you know, we also try and put things up on the web, to, you know, on our forum site to actually get people answering questions and, and uh, helping us make decisions. So, you know, doing something where we ask people about what cars they'd love to see in DLC, I actually think that that would uh, that'd be a really cool thing to do with the community. So, yeah, action item. And, and I would say, uh, too, from my perspective, um, I'm a little disappointed that I don't have a Prius in there. And not I don't just want my Prius in there, but I would like the option of a Prius version 1, 2, and 3. Because mm-hmm. they all have a different cockpit, and they all have a slightly different sound to them. So, you know, I'm just saying perhaps a Prius pack is in order. Go green. <laughs> if, uh, if, there's any, noted. if there's anybody listening right now that would like to join in on the Turn 10 community and maybe voice some of these opinions directly to you guys, where should they go? Jay? 
uh, if they want to interact with us. Right, if they want to join in on this uh, Turn 10 community, where on the web can they find you guys and start getting involved in oh, that? Oh, uh, ForzaMotorsport.net. It's uh, ForzaMotorsport.net. And uh, we have we also have an, uh, an email alias that I check along with um, two other folks on my community team, and it's ForzaFB at Microsoft.com. And they can pretty much email any question they want um, if they're curious about anything. Um, I can't guarantee that the turnaround time for response is going to be very quick because we get tons of them, but... Um, we are always looking, and if they just want to send in some suggestions, that's also that's that's always good too. And to our listeners, and, if you want to be able to drive my car in Forza, <laughs> I think you want to make sure that you email that account and let them know how important it is to have a Prius download. W- which Prius specifically? You're the Generation I'm, I'm, 2? I'm Generation 2, right. though I'll tell you right now, Generation 3 is far superior. Hey, Hiller, you know, like, online petitions work really well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, this question comes from this is a great this is a name Tobias Munkatten Apollo Struwe. Brad, <laughs> that's an awesome. Uh, and his question to Turn Ten is: Sweet or bitter? Your game that is. He wants to oh. basically know: Is your game sweet or is your game bitter? Well, you know, my hope is that like good Chinese cooking, it's got a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of sticky too. No. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how to answer that question. Um, I think uh, good game design is actually a little bit both sweet and bitter. Um, you can't really get people addicted without having a little bit of that yearning and that longing. So having cars that you're uh, excited for but can't quite attain, a little bit of torture involved. Um, I'm answering that question as I'm taking it. Yeah, I think the real question is Are we a Casio or a Rolex? (laughs) Nice Hmm. Well, I think when you look at the fit and finish on the UI We definitely have the look of a Rolex The nice thing is that you don't have to go to a jeweler to buy it When you think about how many racing games came out this holiday um, Some really good ones too But, you know, 400 cars, all with cockpit, all with damage it's a pretty strong offering, and I think we're still pretty proud of that. Uh, I think for a lot of us on the team, we see this as one of those career-defining achievements, like to release a game like this that's getting those reviews. And that's not to say everything's perfect and what have you, but uh, you know, I think a lot of the team took their vacations and came back, and uh, you know, we're kind of looking at each other like, holy shit, we really just did that. You know, It's not flawless, blah, 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 but uh, man... It's it's a pretty crazy experience to have uh, delivered to people. Cool. You mentioned that it wasn't flawless. In uh, in your opinion, what are the things that uh, you know? Obviously, there's only so much time you could put into a game. But what are the things you wish could have been different with Forza Three? Well, there's things that we have actually been addressing. So we added hand animation into the cockpit uh, with our first title update. Um, you know, we've we've planned other title updates uh, that we're working on where we're fixing issues, and really what it comes down to is when you've got so many people playing the game, you know, we spent a lot of time testing this title, um, but it's such a giant game. It just has such a huge footprint that uh, it's honestly hard to compare to other games. And I've worked on quite a few that it's hard to test all that. Well, the moment you get it out in a million-plus people's hands, they start accruing hours of testing like you wouldn't believe, and that finds bugs. Uh, you know, it found bugs in some of the greatest games of all time, right? Um, there are some fantastic games that just have bugs. 
And the nice thing about doing title updates, we get to fix them. So, you know, there's there's other things that uh, we're going to be fixing along the way because we still have a commitment to making this title better. Well, that's great, and uh, congrats on your success, guys, and we won't take up too much more of your time. Thanks again for coming back on the Three Red Lights podcast. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having us. We've never had a repeat guest before. Everybody usually, You've never had a repeat? No, everybody usually yeah. knows after the first time not to ever bother to come back. So <laughs> I don't know if it's a good sign or a bad sign. That you, it's either a good sign that we're great hosts or it's a sign that maybe you don't know better to have come back. Could be. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just crazy and I'm about to jump up on the couch and be like, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, uh, guys, for joining us. And, uh, you know, we look forward in a year or two to be talking about Forza 4. Oh, don't fish. What's <laughs> <laughs> the rally sport? What's the water sport? You know, one of those. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Actually, you know what? I, the next time we'll have you on is when you guys are here to announce the Segway DLC. Mm-hmm. There you go. All uh, right. Along yeah. with our uh, with our Prius Gen One, Two, and Three uh, <laughs> DLC, right? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe one of the Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, crossover or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cool. Uh, thanks again, guys. All right. All right. Thank you. And, and, and congrats on the success. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.